Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Good evening. Uh, We're going to be continuing our study in the book of Exodus. We're going to be picking up in chapter 33. Quite the... uh, it's a great chapter. A lot of um, a lot of great lessons to be learned and to just see Moses as he continues in this relationship with the Lord and the Lord with Moses. Um, but before we dive into the text, I want to share a story. It's not much of a story. But on Sunday, Meg and I went um, over to a ministry, I would say, um, a church, the Christ Lutheran, um, goes once a month to a couple of the care homes in town, in Whitefish, over to the Springs and over to Genesis. And Meg and I went, and we uh, just got to tag along and, and was blessed by the opportunity. But basically, you're going and, and you're ministering to the elderly, those who are close to the end of their life. And it was very interesting. We were sitting there, and... Um, as the pastor was teaching, I just kind of looked out and just was watching faces. And um, it really struck me that there really is a ministry to be had there. Uh, that you, you would think that this time in someone's life, you know, they, they've got it all together. They, you know, they're, they're ready. Um, they're excited even, maybe. But for some, that's not the case. Um, as I was looking around the room, the pastor was talking about uh, finishing the race well. And just laying off all the weight that clings so closely and just going. And what surprised me as I was looking at faces, I saw fear. They were afraid. And I was like, that's really interesting. I believe the Lord kind of allowed me to see that face, those faces. And I was just like, what? You know, at the, I would, you know, some of the elderly that we've known who have passed and gone to heaven, we, we know that there was an excitement, there was a joy that was attached to that. But here I found... Um, a fear. And I was, I was just thinking, Lord, what did they take their confidence in? You know, they're, they're obviously not confident in where they're going. They're obviously, um, there's a disconnect. They're, they're questioning. They're troubled. And at, what, at how long, how long in their life did they take that they didn't walk with you, that they didn't sit down with you and, and allow you to direct them into into your hope, into your promises. And it just kind of ties into tonight's message of we really need to find ourselves not willing to move, not willing to go anywhere without Him. Because when you start to move without Him, when you're, when you're not willing to really make it sure, uh, everything, no matter what you end up gaining, is not worth very much. The relationship is key. And I'm looking at these faces and I'm, I'm thinking, they don't know Him. They don't know you, Lord. And how cool of a thing that these people are here sharing Jesus. You go over to memory care who have Alzheimer's and dementia, and his goal was just to continue to say the name Jesus because they weren't going to necessarily remember the message that was being given. But he just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus. And you saw in the, some of those faces a sureness. And, and it's so precious because these people are truly dwindling away, and, and yet their hope, you can tell their confidence, is in this name, Jesus. 
And so just tonight, as we dive into this story, just remembering, we really don't want to move without Him. We don't really want to experience life without Him. And even as a born-again believer, we still can find ourselves drifting away. We, we know we're saved, we know we're, we're, where we're going to go, but in this time, in this side of heaven, may we just be sure that He's going to guide us and take care of us and reveal Himself to us and grow us and challenge us and get us excited to, to know our destination the hope that we have in heaven. And then that would fire us up to turn around to our neighbor or to the one who's walking down the street or to whomever the Lord brings you and you'd be excited to share the same truth, the same hope that we have. So for Moses, he found himself in a place needing to, to go before the Lord and say, hey, I, I'm not going to move without you. Very important. So I'll pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, thank you for tonight and how we are moving through the Old Testament, this, this history, these stories of you and your people, the Israelites, Lord. And I just pray you would ready our hearts and our minds for what you have for us individually and corporately. That you would move in a way that we would be sure and that we would be excited, challenged, equipped, Lord, to, to continue one step at a time, one day at a time uh, in this journey that you have for us on our way home. So we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 33, verse 1, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebuite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will, go, I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So if you haven't been with us and you're reading this, it's, it seems like God's a little angry. It seems like we're reading some things that, that aren't quite clicking if we, if we don't know the context. To bring us up to speed, in the last chapter, while well, Moses was up, receiving the Ten Commandments while he was receiving the law. His people, God's people, decided that um, the time was too long. And they, they needed something more. They weren't necessarily uh, interested in this God who did bring them out of Egypt, but they, they wanted things to happen now. They were starting to operate in the flesh. They wanted to see it. They wanted to access it. They, did, they didn't know this, this whole faith thing, this whole trust thing. And they decided to act out against God by creating this golden calf and saying, this is what brought us out of Egypt. This is what we are going to worship. And you can imagine God is, he's up there laying out this whole destiny for them, this whole lineage, this whole, this, this relationship of how he is going to be God to these people. And he's, he's, pouring his, he's pouring everything out into Moses, and Moses is up there faithfully being a good steward and a servant and receiving these. And here, as God is well aware, they're down there turning their back on God. And God just wants them to be his people and for them, for him to be their God. And they're doing the exact opposite. And so when Moses gets down there, he sees what's going on and slams down the, the tablets and God's like, I'm done with them, and he's going on their behalf, interceding, no, Lord, you can't. 
please remain. And so we're just picking up, and it said, the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. Leave. It's time for you to go. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. And this is an interesting idea, and I caught this. And the Lord kind of showed it to me, because I think it's, it's a neat thing and to understand. But it says that you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. And I actually got the blessing of teaching in chapter uh, 29. And towards the end of chapter 29, God is, is, is sharing with Moses what he has for the priest, what he has for the high priest, their, their um, responsibilities, and just how he's going to interact when this tabernacle is made, when the tents, when, when everything's put together and the sacrifices start going forward. In verse uh, 44 of chapter 29, he says, So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. That I may dwell among them, I am the Lord their God. But here in chapter 33, he says to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt kind of a contradiction. It's kind of interesting. I, I'm pretty sure we know that God would know that he was the one that brought them out of the land of Egypt. Back in chapter 32, in verse uh, 1, it says, Now the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. The people gathered together us gods, gathered together to Aaron and said, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as far as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So the people aren't connecting that it was God who brought them out of Egypt. And so it's where their heart is at. God calls them a stiff-necked group of people. They're hard towards God. They're not receiving the truth. They're not willing to understand. But they're seeing it with, with a very humanistic eyes. They're seeing it at a very just earthly level. And, and just saying that it, w- it must have been this dude who raised the whole staff and he was the one that got us out of Egypt. And God is doing this interesting thing where he's kind of allowing them to just have what, they're, what they want. They clearly don't want a true and living God that took them out of Egypt. They want to be able to see it. They don't want to exercise faith. Everything's taking too long. And so the Lord's just allowing them to, to just receive what, they, what their hearts is saying. It's like if you have ever questioned, like, what does it really look like for the Lord to harden Pharaoh's heart? What does it really look, what is God's position? How does that look from heaven, from God's perspective? And it looks kind of like this. It's God just kind of allowing it to be. Okay, if this is the truth that you want, this is the truth that you can have. I'm not going to stand here and argue with you. It's just, this is what you're saying. So I'm going to let it be. And so oftentimes in our life, if we're not willing to just receive the truth, if we're not willing to humble ourselves and receive his eyes on a situation, maybe we, we are in a predicament where we think we're right, and maybe we are, but maybe we should be wrong so that peace and unity can move forward. I don't know. But there are times when, when we don't want to, when we don't want to see with his eyes, we don't want to see what he's trying to do. And so we just say, no, this is the truth. And he goes, okay, if this is your truth, then this will be your truth. And it's what I will allow you to see, even though it's not my truth. Because the truth of the matter of fact, Moses did not bring them out of Egypt. He may have 
physically led them, but we know that God brought them out of the land. And so just an interesting picture of us seeing how God allows us in our flesh and in our sin to just be taken off a little bit. He's willing and so faithful to to bring us back and to knock on our hearts and to ask and to be there, ready with open arms. But if his, if it's, if his will can be accomplished through going the backside of the desert through a tough time because you're not willing, he will allow you. He'll allow you to go so that he can bring you back. And that's how good our God is. And we're going to see that in this next section. Because he says that, "...to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst. So it's, he made a promise to these three men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I will bless your descendants. I will bring you to a land where I can be your God. You can be my people, and it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be a beautiful thing. An awesome gig for these people to have a relationship with this true and living God. And he's very faithful to uphold his promises. He's not going to break it, but he's not continuing on in the relationship. So uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it just really brings to uh, a picture of how faithful he is. Just another verse kind of back in this idea that God is extremely faithful. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So he's promised us. He's promised us heaven. He said, if you're willing to to acknowledge the sin nature of yourself and that you are so far from perfect and you can't dwell with me, if you're willing to to accept this, I've sent my son to die for you. And if you receive him, I will usher you into the... He's given us promises, and He's so faithful. If He's planted promises in your heart, if He's given you promises, He's faithful. It's in His timing, it's in His way, and that's difficult from time to time. But He's faithful. So good. And He's so good to these three men who aren't even around that He would carry through to the end of His his promise to them, that He would bring these people in. But it's sad. Because at this moment, he's saying, I'm going to send my angel before you. I'm not going. I'll drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And you'll go up to this land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up in your midst. Lest I consume you on your way. For you are a stiff-necked people. He's telling this to Moses, it's time to go, but I'm not going with. I'll send my angel. I'll make sure you get there because I'm going to fulfill my promise. Because I'm a God who fulfills promises. I don't break them. And so he says, go. You can go up to the land, filling with milk and honey. Same land, but no God. No relationship. No, no, no hope. No depth. Just land flowing with milk and honey. People are already there. But we know that they're not with God. They're separate from Him. And so the land is nice, but it's nothing without the, without. God going with and being amongst. And Moses realizes this, and so does the people. He calls them, you guys are stiff-necked, you're hard-hearted. I can't, I can't break in, you won't look up. If tonight at all you're feeling a, a hard-heartedness due to um, not 
being able to see truth, not being able to, to just trust and to have faith. Because hardness can come from that. It can, you can grow bitter, you can grow discouraged, and, and it sets in that you just you stop trusting God like you once did. But He wants to come in and say, you can fully trust. I have a plan, and it's to equip you and to show you my love and to show you my grace and my mercy and to grow you to finish the work that I started. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so hard. Go to Africa. Promise them a great life. You can't, it wouldn't be fair. But what you can give them confidence is in heaven. I'm sorry that it is the way it is. I'm sorry. He's sorry. So sorry. He sent his only son to die so that you, yes, for a time such as this, in this lifetime, you might have to experience real deal hardship. But I love you and I want to spend eternity with you. And so chapter, or verse 4, it says, And when the people heard this bad news, bad news, not good, this is not good news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, Israel You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into the midst, in your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Bad news came. Uh, God's not going with us. We've got to go on our own. Angel's going to get, the, get us there, and we'll get there for sure, but he's not going to come. Bad news. Even, in, even to a group of people who were starting to turn their back, the realization was probably setting in, and this is bad news, and they began to mourn, and they took off these ornaments, these, these, these precious jewels and these golds that would resemble this tribe of Israel, that would be a part of their, their makeup, be a part of, of their symbolizing that we belong to God, these ornaments. And they take them off. And it's really interesting that they do so because you would think that they would want to keep them on because God's leaving and a stiff-necked group of people say, no, 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 maybe you're leaving, but I still am who I am. And God says, if I leave, you're not who you are because who you are is with me. And if I leave, you are no longer the, the people governed by God. And so they were real. They were willing to take off this outer garment, this, this mask, this this representation and they were willing to strip naked of these ornaments and allow their heart to be shown toward God. I love Psalm 51. Really a difficult psalm, but in, in times of, of being able to relate to David, um, it, it really ministers. But towards the end of Psalm 51, it says... And 14, deliver me from my guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show your, forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. What David's saying is, there's nothing I can do right now. There's no mask I can wear. There's no religion in the world that can make me right with you. But what you're after is my heart. And being willing to strip off these things, this, this religiosity, the going about, trying to prove, 
The works thing, the performance thing, being able to willing to say, because you're working and you're saying, you know what, here's a sacrifice for you. This will make it right. I'm going to keep these on. This will be good. You said that you left us, but if I keep these on, this will be nice. This will be good. You'll, you'll like this. And he goes, oh, no, these sacrifices do not do anything. I'm after your heart. Would you be willing to strip it off? Take off the mask. Take off the works base. Stop trying to please me and let my grace be sufficient. And I've been there too many times where you fall short and you just start in that whole condemnation thing. You start working, you start performing, and he's, he's, it breaks his heart because he wants to fix your heart. He doesn't want you to try to fix it. I wrote this down. He doesn't want us to see what we can do for him, but see if we know what he's done for us. He doesn't want to see what we can do for him what we can wear, what we can do, how we can work, how we can perform. He doesn't want to see that. He wants us to, he wants to see if we know what he's done for us. And that's what he's after in the, these, for these Israelites. He's, let me see your heart so I can rightly judge. Let me see your heart so I can do what I want to do. And so, for us, so there's times we have to own it and we have to shed it. And we have to stand there naked before God. But then soon after, the grace comes. Soon after, the mercy flows and the love is there. And he says, I am so here for you. And we're going to see that he's here for these people too, even though they just completely turn their back on him. Verse 7. Moses doesn't like this, okay? So he takes his tent and he pitches it outside the camp, far from the camp. And it is called the tabernacle of meeting. This isn't... he. There's instructions on what the tabernacle of meeting was supposed to look like. This wasn't it. This was Moses being intentional. He saw a problem. He saw that God was being, he was, he was very serious. This was a very serious matter. And Moses did the right thing. He said, I need to meet with you. I'm not going to try to perform. I'm not going to show. We're not going to try to do what Israelites do, but I'm, I want to meet with you. I want to sit with you. I want to come to you because I need you. I need you, Lord. And so he takes his tent. It could have been his tent. It could have been any tent. But he takes a tent and he goes and pitches it outside the camp, which is interesting. Because the tabernacle was supposed to be inside the camp. It was supposed to dwell amongst the people, within the people. But so often, sin separates us from... It pushes us out. It makes us have to... To not just be free to dwell for him to dwell within. And so he puts his tent far outside the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting, the tent of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So that's not everyone, but those who wanted to, those who maybe weren't all for the, the whole building of the calf thing, maybe they had a little faith in who God was and what he was doing. And so those people wanted to go to the tabernacle because they too wanted to meet with the true and living God. And so it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Moses would get up. He would start walking out. Everyone saw him go. He would stand up and watch. He's going out. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Moses was desperate. 
He didn't want the news that God was no longer going to be with him. He, this was not a good thing. And so he's, he knows he can't just sacrifice. He can't just go into the religious part of the relationship. He had to go to the relationship. He couldn't just start sacrificing as if it would be something of God's aroma, sweet aroma to him. We, we learned about that, burning buns and meat, and it was a sweet aroma. God wasn't interested in this right now. He was interested in the heart. And so Moses takes this, I got it, we got to pitch it, we got to meet. And so he starts meeting with the Lord, and that cloud descended, and it fell upon this tent. And it says that the Lord began to talk with Moses. What a, what a good God. Willing to talk. At this point, if, it, if I were God, I know, you get some friends that, you know what, you're a clown, and I don't like you anymore, and you can, I'm going elsewhere. It's just like, all right, go. And when you go, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of a thing. But not our God. We can go, thank you, no thank you. And he waits with love. Prodigal son stuff. Go out, spend the inheritance, go do what you want to do. End up with pigs and eating from their trough. But when you come back, my arms will be open. Because I'm so after you. So after you that truly I did everything I could to have you. And I'm not going to take that back. I love you. And so God is talking with Moses. Verse 10, it says, All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent. What do you think that was like? What do you think? I mean, we, we know worship today as, as singing songs and lifting our hands. Maybe they were. But worship is, is a position of heart. It's, it's this overwhelming truth and spirit of being able to look up and know who he is and that he's good. And as Moses went, how encouraging. Moses is not having any of this. He's almost rude, kind of. And he's kind of pushing it, but he wants to push it because of how it says, if you're diligently to seek, you'll find. If, if you're diligently seek him, you'll find him. He loves that. He loves, he, he, you know, we're so diligently willing to, to go crazy over a lost cell phone, lost keys. Dude, I, I know a guy, it might be his birthday today, I'm not sure, but I, I remember a day that keys might have been lost, and this dude went nuts. Reasonably so. Important keys. Who wants to lose them? Nobody. Who wants to lose God? Who wants to be Good with God not coming with you. Sadly, there are moments that we're good with it. But God's not. He's not okay with that. He wants us. He wants us bad. He wants us to know that He's so for us. And just wants to be with us and let us know that He loves us. And from that to go in love with His love. And Moses is being so intentional, so diligent, just going after it, putting out this tent. And others are looking on and going, man, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Be Moses. In this generation, in this time, there aren't many Moseses out there. The church is broken. 
There are pockets of the living spirit moving on men and women's hearts to worship and to, to celebrate heaven and to, to be kicking in the gates of hell on their way. Pockets. But someone's got to go. Someone's got to be compelled by that love to go. And it's the coolest thing what happens. I know I've followed men who followed the Lord. Get inspired. Because there's been times I'm down. There's been times when we're down. And you see that one person in the room come and smile. And it's like, what are they smiling about? No way. And they're just like, what are you smiling about? Hmm? Going to heaven. I knew you are going to say that. And then they go, no, no, no. Hey, we're going to heaven. We're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And it's just like, dang. Wow. That's something to smile about. But you know, there's something going on right now. I'm not a very happy person. I know. Praying for you. Praying that your eyes just get fixed back on the goal, on the prize, on the eternal prize. Run, man, run. Don't get dragged down by this weight and sin that clings so close. Would you put your eyes on the, perf- the, the perfecter and founder of our faith who endured the cross as the joy was set before him? Not despising shame. Be the Moses in the room. If you're waking up and, he's, and that presence is there and you, you're, you're, he's, you know, you can't deny that he's with you and he's just filling you with that peace and with that joy from his spirit, that baptism, show it. Don't quench it. Go. Be. Glory to God. Light a fire. Catch some people on fire as you're walking down. Just be a flamethrower. It's like, why are you throwing flames at me, man? Because you should be happy. You should be good. That's not always easy. Reality is real. Staring at these faces, these elderly people, reality is real. He asked this one question, the pastor. He said, and for those, are you, if you're carrying shame and guilt, would you be willing today to let it go? Maybe you were 20, maybe you were 22. And I remember seeing this one man's face in particular, and he just going, I can't do that. You could just see it. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Reality, it's real. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. He knows. It says, it says that he came and he, he, he went through it all so that he could, he could relate to us. And we could look at him and say, you actually understand. And Jesus says, I do. I do. I know it's hard. But it's worth it. So be a Moses. Be willing to, to be intentional when, when no one's being intentional. Be alive when everyone else wants to sleep. And go. Or if you're not there and you see someone go, would you be willing to follow as you gaze your eyes back onto the Lord? So he's talking, all the people, pillar of a cloud standing at the tabernacle of the door, and the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is a cool scene. As a man speaks to his friend. It's not that he came down as man. It was mouth to mouth. It was it was verbal. It was it might have even been audible, but it, it was it was as a friend would talk to a friend. And they spoke to one another. Maybe reasoning. We don't know. We don't know the context of it. But I'm sure if he was begging and pleading, God, please, 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 please come, you need to come. What a heart. And he would return to the camp, but the servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. I love this. 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there was sand. I, I don't know what actually happened. But I picture this boy, I don't know why, sitting down outside. The, and he's got sand in his hand. And he's kind of doing this. Just listening. Just so intrigued. So perplexed. So, so overwhelmed. It's just, I don't know, but just a boy, just a young lad who actually ended up needing to be encouraged because it would tell us that however many times he was told to be bold, that he was probably a little afraid. But at this moment, he's just there. And it said that even when Moses went back, this, this young man stood at the, at the uh, tabernacle. And that tabernacle is interesting. It's a place where God's presence would come. And today, it's just like, where's our tabernacle? Where's our tent? I want to go meet with the Lord. Where do I go? It's a good question. It's so cool for us as New Covenant believers. Our tabernacle is the temple. It's ourself. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in this temple. We should take care of it. How cool is that? No need to go pinch a tent outside and just hope that this cloud comes down. No need to go and put yourself in a lake or whatever you might want to do to try to find God. You don't need to go anywhere. You can just be and just ask, Lord, would your spirit come and baptize me afresh? Would you come and dwell inside me and come in so that I know? And that's a cool thing. We don't have to build a tent. We don't have to set up a tabernacle. We are the tabernacle. We are the temple. He comes in and dwells. Directs us from within. Changes our heart from within. So take care of it. Practice the things you need to be practicing. Spiritual matter. Continue in it. Continue in that discipline of of being willing to just continuing to, to die to self. To not be selfish. Practice not being selfish. It's hard. You wake up and it's just like you got your, your dog and your wife laying next to you. And yeah, my do- our dog sleeps in our bed. That's, I'll just share that. That's cool. Weird, weird for others, but we're just those people. For some reason, the Lord's fashioned us to be animal lovers. Praise the Lord we're the same kind of animal lover because it would just be frustrating and awkward. But my dog wants to eat first, man. He's the most selfish one in the bed. He just always, and it's early, like 5.30. And as the sun like stays out and comes up earlier, he's just like, time, sun's out. It's just like, dude, go back to bed, man. He doesn't speak English, but sometimes he does, because sometimes he's go like this, and then he starts, <clears throat> and it's like, yeah, I hear you. And so I get up. He's selfish. You know who else is selfish? I'm selfish. I am. Because then I want to feed me. Practice not being selfish. Take care of the temple. Be willing to just exercise what He leads you to exercise. Every season's different. But just what He's laid before you, what He wants you to practice. For me, it's being organized and detailed and administrative. I think He's been doing this for the last seven years. I'm trying to learn. But it's good. Because when you become more willing to let go of self and just practice and to to let him transform you let him do that work he says to deny yourself carry a cross and follow me and when you're willing to do these things man is it good because you start to your character and your 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 habits start to be more like him and now you're shining brighter in this dark world 
more willing to be a Moses, more able to be a Moses, as you walk by these tents and you're standing out there begging that the Lord would meet, others are encouraged and want to meet as well. So it's good. We are the tabernacle. He comes and dwells within. Moving on. Moving on. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, this is cool. Little, it might be a little rude. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. It's basically saying, okay, 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 you're asking me to leave, but you haven't told me how you're coming. You haven't told me who you're sending with me, being you. Because I know you told me the angel was coming, but that's not you. I need you. I want you to come. Yet you have said, I know you by name. This is Moses speaking to God. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider the nation of your people. He's coming to God and he's saying, I can't leave yet because you haven't told me you're coming with. And by the way, do you remember when you told me that I have found grace in your sight and you know my name? We have a relationship. We have a, a, a communion. With me and with these people, you've come and you've told us that you are God and that you're going to take care of us and bring us. We have that together. You know my name. You told me we, you have, I have found favor in your sight. Now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. What an amazing thing to ask. In a time of desperation, it's, he's, he's a humble man. He's not being selfish. He's, he's understanding what he needs. He needs to know God's way because he's clearly seen that you're not coming with us. You're going away from us. And you said if we're going to adhere to these things that you've put in front of us, you will be our God and we will be your people. So we clearly have stopped doing what you've asked us to do. We've, we've disconnected somewhere. So teach me your way. If, you've, if, if there's grace, which is unmerited favor... Which is like, hey, you're not very good, but I love you anyway. It's like, I, I thought of this. It's like going and playing a basketball game. You're in the final championship game, and you you got three seconds left on the clock. You're down by two. You're standing at the three-point line. You shoot, buzzer goes off, and you miss. You just lost. It would be like someone coming and saying, you didn't lose. You won. It's like, no, I definitely lost. I shot the ball. Yeah, 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 but you won. She's like, I didn't win. Don't tell me I won. You won. You're, you're a winner. That's what God says. Though you may have fallen short of the glory of God because of my son, and I look at you through him, you've won. Because he won. He conquered the grave. Unmerited favor. Didn't deserve that grace. Didn't deserve that relationship. But I'm giving it to you. Lord, if, if I found favor, if I found grace, if you know my name, would you let me know your way? Would you teach me your way? That I may know you. Beautiful. He just wants to know. It's, it's kind of like a... Um, oh, gosh. What's his name? I want to say Salamander, but that's not right. Solomon. Is that it? Yeah, that sounds right. It's not Salamander. I'm a little tired. My brain doesn't always function right. It's not Salamander. And it might not even be him. So I'm going to tell the story, and then Austin can shout out the real name. But basically, it's, God says, what do you want? If you could have anything in the world, he says, I want wisdom. Awesome. You could have had anything. You chose wisdom. The whole 
baby mama thing and splitting him, her in half, him, her. And the mom was like, dude, go, don't. He can have him. He's like, oh, you're the real mom. Wisdom. He's like, let me know you. If there's anything I can ask for right now, I need to know your way. I need to know you. And that needs to be our heart when we, when we find ourselves in these times. In, in just times of what is going on? What am I not doing? Just find yourself before him saying, Lord, show me your way. Show me your way. Let me know you. Let me know that I found grace in your sight. Because isn't that encouraging? It's like, man, I've done wrong. And just knowing that there's grace, it, it picks you up and keeps you going. And consider this nation as your people. It's kind of the same prayer that Paul prayed for the uh, church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 1. That your, mind, that your heart's eyes would be enlightened. And that you would know. I'm going to read it. Ephesians chapter 1. you ever need to uh, remember what comes first with the whole Galatians, Ephesians, go eat pizza, Calvin. That's how, that's how I memorized it. Therefore, I also, after I heard, this is verse 15, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the, all the saints, do not cease to get, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory in his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Very similar. Paul's saying, you just need to see it. You just need to know. You just need to grasp it. And Moses is praying, Lord, we just need to know. We need to see your way. Would you show me your way? Would you let me know that I've found grace and may you consider these people? Verse 14, he says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses willing to just go and be intentional with God when he's messed up, when they've messed up. He's humbled himself, and he's going with being intentional, and he's pleading with the Lord. He's saying, we need you. We do need you. And the Lord responds, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Isn't it true with us? That his presence will be with us. And someday he'll give us rest from this world. Someday he'll give us rest from the bondage of sin. He, he gives us a, a glimpses of it this side of heaven. He allows us to experience freedom. He allows us to, to be, be so with the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit moves in truth, and in, we get to experience being free. That rest from what sin has done. For these people who say, I'm going to bring you to a land and I'm going to dwell with you and you'll find rest. In verse 15, it says, Then he said to him, If your presence does not go up with us. See, Moses just keeps reminding God that he really does need them. He's already said he's going to go, but he says, But then he said, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For, for how then will it be known of your people, and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? He's asking, if you don't go, how would these people 
believe and see that you truly have chosen this, this group of people. You truly have chosen this man and his son and his son and, and to, that you were going to be. How will they know? Because it's always been grace. It's never been about what we can do. It's always been about grace. It's always been about you just having incredible mercy and love toward us. How will they know if you don't go? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. I love that. How will, how will we be separate? We'll just be people like they're already people dwelling in the land flowing with milk and honey. We'll just be those people. There will be no difference. The difference that makes in one's life is the relationship you have with the Lord. And we know this. We know this. We can look at family members, old friends, people who are walking down the street. You know that they're not walking with Jesus. They don't have that joy and that peace. But what makes us separate, what makes us called out, taken out of this world, dwelling in it, yes, but not a part of it, is Him and the relationship that He wants to have with us. If you don't go, how will we be separate? Will we be separate? We won't. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do the things that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then he goes on. He's just all the more bold. In verse 18, he says, please show me your glory. Lord, I I just pitched my old tent. You came down in the cloud. You met with me face to face. We were talking. It was good. You heard me out. Thank you for that. You showed me that your grace is sufficient and you're going to come with us, your presence. And now will you show me your glory? I want it all, Lord. This is so good. These these bits and pieces of what I get to experience with you are so good. And aren't they good? Like, aren't they? Like, you wake up and you get to brush off things from your past. You get to let go of chains. You get to help someone. I love this verse in Galatians 6. It says that those who go and um, come up alongside the burdens of others, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. How cool is that? When you go help someone in need, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. That's pretty neat. That's good. You see someone in need, that, that love that's compelling us, we go. And it's a good thing, because I wouldn't have gone before. I know who I was. I wasn't going to just help every little need. But as the Lord shows me a need, you just get this, man, I've been helped. I, uh, this young kid, he, I, I had coffee with him the other day, and he was so confused that a, a man that he's hurt would come up and hug him. He was so confused. He's like, I, didn't, I, I was scared of seeing him because it ended bad last time I saw him, but he came up and he gave me a hug, and I don't understand it. And I said, what an opportunity, Lord. I said, that reason the man was able to come up and give you a hug, though you hurt him, It's because there was once probably upon a time that someone came up and gave him a hug when he didn't quite deserve one. I was like, but now, as that was his responsibility to forgive and to to let love live, to let God unify, to bring peace, it's now going to be your responsibility that someday if someone hurts you, you have to go and, and, and just be gracious as grace was given to you. So we understand in this walk that God is good and the life that he brings is so sweet, so difficult, but so good. And there are moments when we say, Lord, please show me your glory. 
Show me it all. Bring me home. Just let me see it. Let me, let me partake. I want the whole thing. I'm so tired. Paul says, I keep wrestling back and forth. This whole flesh thing, man, is bringing me down. I want to do good. I really do. But this thing that wages war within me keeps making me do the stupid thing. And they don't like each other. They really never do the same thing. Lord, I just want to be complete. I want that glory. I want to be glorified. I want to be made whole. I'm tired. And he gives us what we need to be steadfast in this race, doesn't he? He allows us to take one more step. In 2 Corinthians 5, I don't have a little riddle for this one. You just got to go find it. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For we know that in our, if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. For in this tent we groan, we desire, we want to be clothed, we want to be there. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the spirit of guarantee. We cry out for glory. We cry out that, that we would experience and taste and to know and to be. And he says, I will, I'll prom my promise is sure. I'm going to give you my spirit as a guarantee. As you call upon his name, he'll come and remind you so that you can once more look up and know that it is good. Even though it can be so hard. And I'm not standing up here saying we just need to be jolly and happy. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But what we can do as a body is, is though we may groan, we're groaning because we're not home yet. But there are others who don't even know there's a home. And I'm, I'm encouraged and inspired that I look out in this broken world in our generation who are lost pups that we may be compelled by the love that we're receiving and would be willing to just go into love. You don't have to go and be a brilliant speaker or a brilliant evangelist or filled with all these gifts. You just need to be willing. You just need to know His love and be willing. I mean, I can't imagine that Pastor Mike and Pam were perfect at the presentation like they are today. They might have started out, but they were willing. They, were will they, they saw a need. They, the Lord showed them a need. That the church needed to be inspired and encouraged. There were broken marriages. People who were falling away from the Lord. Some who weren't even near the Lord. And some who needed to come back to the Lord. And they saw it and it broke their heart because it broke the Lord's heart. And He gave them that heart to go and to be willing. And they went. And wow, pretty cool what the Lord did through that couple. I mean, we're all benefiting from it, from their faith. They were a Moses. We got to stand at the tent and say, I want to go. I want to know. Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Good. I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see my face and live. We can't handle the glory. He used his glory to, to, to sanctify the altars. Imagine that altar that's been burning all day. It's, it's his glory is what he's used to sanctify that thing. You don't want that on you right now. You don't know what would happen. It said that to Moses, it would kill you if you saw my face. 
And the Lord said, here's a place by me and you will stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. What a cool thing. I can't give you exactly what you want right now, but I can, I can sure give you what you need. I can't give you what you want, but I can give you what you need. You can't see my face. I'm sorry, you might evaporate. You might just end up not being anything good. Probably did. But what I will give you, it will be perfect. It will inspire you. It will embrace you. It will encourage you. It will comfort you. And it will, most importantly, allow you to know that I am God. And this true and living God desperately wanted these people to just look up and to know and to believe. It says that it was unbelief that they weren't able to enter that rest that he was talking about. It was unbelief that they weren't able to enter it. They didn't believe. And so oftentimes, it's like, I'm not sinning that bad. I'm not sinning that bad. I'm not doing that bad. But where is my heart in when it comes to trusting and believing that it is and that he is? That's what he's after. Unbelief for us gets us stuck. It, 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 it gets muddy. It gets cloudy. And he's going to do what he wants to do and needs to do in his will to, to bring you to where it's clear again. But belief, and that's my prayer, and that, that's as I, as I read this chapter and as the Lord was ministering to me, He wants us to believe. And He doesn't want us to go anywhere without knowing that He's coming with us. If you're sitting in the room tonight and there's opportunity and decisions to be made, just make sure He's going. Don't go without Him. But when He goes, be excited that your faith roller coaster is about to start. And it might not be easy, but it will be worth it. Faith, believing, entering into his rest. So for Moses, man, he saw. He saw what Lord, the Lord was serious. This wasn't a good thing. This was bad news. And all of these Israelites were willing to just shed the stuff, not trying to perform, not trying to show off, not trying to be anything, but just humbled before them saying, okay, here we are, we've messed up, this is not good, and, and I don't know what to do other than to stand before you. No sacrifice, you're after a broken and contrite heart. That's what you're after. You just want me to be broken. And then grace will come. And Moses is intentional. He goes out and he sets up the tent. He says, we need to meet and we need to meet now. Please, Lord, please meet with me. Please meet with me. Please meet with me. And he comes and he talks to him face to face. He encourages others to worship. Beautiful. And you even got the little guy, young man standing by, excited and, and interested. And we see what the Lord does later with his life. He uses him greatly. And the Lord presses on in again. And Lord, if you found favor, if you, you know my name, he says, I do. I'll go with you. It's true. I love you. I'll go with you. And as his heart was to just see the glory, may our heart, Lord, we're excited for your glory. And we know in this season, in this time, you're sanctifying and you're bringing us through life. But may we desire to see his glory. In Hebrews, it's very clear that we're supposed to have confidence and hope. And it always points back to heaven. It's always pointing back to what Jesus has done so that we 
He as high priest and sacrifice went into heaven. The true representation of the Holy of Holies did the sacrifice once and for all so that we could go in there boldly and confidently into heaven to be with God back for an eternity. That is our confidence. And so we may be confident and just seek after this glory. And when you're not doing well, when you're struggling, reach out. Ask someone. Talk to someone. Don't go internal. I've done that before. It, it, it completely just rips you off. But be willing to open up and to, with those who the Lord surrounded you with, brothers and sisters, pastors in your life, go and say, hey, I'm struggling. This is real. And let grace come. Let mercy come. Let correction come. Let challenges come. Let inspiration come so that you can turn your eyes to the Lord and know that He's God, know that He's good, and keep going. At this moment, Moses and the team, with God, got to keep going. And we will see what happens next. For us, we get to go home someday. Until then, Lord, would you help us to look up and to know and to be. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.